Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. How's everybody doing this morning? My family and I survived Disney. You say survived. Absolutely survived. Took three children. Man, we had a great time. We're able to rest, enjoy, focus on family, and just, uh, I didn't get wore out. You know, I mean, to me, that is the biggest blessing. You go on vacation, and then you need a vacation from the vacation. You know, so I want to encourage you guys the principle of resting, okay? You got to do it, you know. What about the next dollar, Pastor Noe? It'll be there when you get back, I promise. You cannot earn all the money in the world, but you only got a chance sometimes with your children. You know, you got one one little moment in time and you don't want to take it for granted and, and waste that time and that time of investing. And, you know, I know one thing for me, my children, we are up at this church a lot. You don't know and my kids run this church. You know, so we got to flip a switch between during the week and Sunday. It's like, you can't do that when everyone's here. So we're, we try to model that balance. But they're here every day with me. You know, they homeschool, so they're doing their schoolwork here. They are involved in the life of this church. They're involved in our lives. They understand that ministry is what we do. You know, we are a ministry-driven family. But that, for that moment, I wanted them to know that. You know, they asked me, are we going to church tomorrow? No, we're not. You know, and leaving this, this whole week of Thanksgiving, I think we came up here once where I brought them. I came up here more than that, but they didn't. You know, just being very intentional about giving them a break and making sure that we're family focused. Guys, it's so important. Don't get in such a hurry with job and work and the next big project or, or chasing the next overtime that we miss the point of investing in family. You can't get those years back, okay? And what we instill in our children at a young age could possibly and will probably determine the people that they become. You know, we know the promises of God says, train a child in the way they should go and when they grow older, what? They will not turn from it. That doesn't mean that they won't hit rocks and it'll be bumpy. You're like, Lord, you pro-. it's not that they, it's where they end up. And all of us had to go through hard times before we figured it out, right? We just don't always tell our children that part of it. Act right. Well, mom, did you act right? We don't want to talk about that. They just see who we are now, right? We all, we all had, to, had to drudge our course. So this morning, we're going to uh, shift gears, and you know, I first want to start by asking the question, what do we do with the messages that we receive? I did listen to the podcast, you know, Don Reed last week, man, it was a very challenging, it was a really on-point word, and, I, and, I, and I, I, didn't, I couldn't see the podcast, but I heard the podcast, but there, there was a large response to it. So I question... When there is a response, do, do we come and, we, and we, we say we make a choice to change and then do we leave those doors and we remain the same? Do we do that? Or do we allow that word to continually impact and change the way we live our lives? Because for the, for the, my first thought is if everything that I encourage you with, everything that Pastor Don shares with you, Pastor Jim, whoever, whoever is, is, is sharing the word on a Sunday morning, if everything that we give you, if you leave it here and don't take it with you, is our labor in vain? I think ultimately, yes. It says that we are to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So I would encourage you this morning as we dive into the word, that you would allow it to penetrate your heart, that you would allow the word to transform you to become the person that God has called you to be. Amen? 
I said, called you to be, not the person you are, because we all need transforming. Amen? There's something in each, each of our lives that God needs to polish out, that he has to, he has to work out those rough edges, but it's only by the power of God and applying his word that these principles come to pass. There's always a principle, there's always an action, and then there's always an outcome. Did you hear that? There's a principle, there's an action, there's something required on my part, and then we see the result of that action. But if we hear it, and we leave it, and we don't take it, we don't receive it, what benefit was that? You're like, man, you came back and reprimanded me. I didn't reprimand you. <laughs> I encouraged you to allow to use the Word of God how it's supposed to be used. Applied. Okay? Everybody still with me? If it's your first time here, I love you. I promise. Okay? So the Word of God, it's, it's used to really direct every area of our life. Um, there's some stuff we like in the Word. There's some stuff we don't, right? Can you guys attest to that? So we're gonna, today we're going to focus on joyful generosity. Okay, it is the holiday times. Everybody's looking for that perfect gift for your loved one, for your spouse. That's one of the hardest things ever. I, you know, me and my wife, we're at the place. We're like, hey, well, what do you really want? Uh, what do you want? I don't know. So it's always like a gamble. We're like, we don't know what to get you. I don't know what to get you. If we want it, we're at the place in our life. If we really, really want it or we really, really need it, we already bought it. Parents, adults don't wait till Christmas. They have Christmas year-round. It's a benefit of being an adult. All the kids said, man, that's what it's like. But it does cost you. And it takes time to get to that place. So when we think about Christmas, sometimes, sometimes what we do, we completely hurdle over Thanksgiving. You guys feel that from culture? We jump over Thanksgiving. We jump right into Black Friday. Who enjoyed the, the Black Friday festivities? And all the women were like, Yes. I know my wife left at 7 o'clock and didn't get home till 10.30 that evening. I said, well, what'd you buy? She says, well, this and this. And then my second question, what's the next question I ask? How much did you spend? And she shrugs. And that concerns me. But look at all of these things I got. So she was definitely joyful and generous with our money. Right? So what I want us to focus on, though, is, is not just necessarily... Uh, Jumping into what culture says Christmas is all about. The reason for the season, it is, the, the focus is Christ. It's, it's we give. Why? Because God gave us the greatest gift, his son. It says God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He, he's a generous God. And the more we learn who God is, the more generous we realize that he is. How many times does God give you something that you don't really deserve? Every day of our lives. Well, I didn't deserve that, but I love you. You know, think as our earthly parents, you know, how do we give to our children? Father God gives so much more and so much better than we do, right? So it's because he gave. So, you know, giving is the greatest way to kill the spirit of selfishness and greed. You know, I remember when I was young, it wasn't about my parents. It wasn't about what gift I could get them. What, what was, I, got my, I got my list. I want this. I want this. I need this. I Here's my list. It, it, it was really out of selfish, you know, and now in my life, I get more joy out of giving than I do receiving because my perspective has changed. But I know if we allow culture just to program the way we think of holidays, it's a consumer type holiday. What's in it for me? What can I get? What's the next best gadget that they can sell me? Okay. 
So, you know, we have to understand that that generosity is an action that kills selfishness and it promotes a heart of giving. So when we give with the correct uh, motive, we should be giving joyfully. We should have joyful generosity. Okay, so the word of of the the definition of generous, it it is um, showing a readiness to give more of something as time or money than is strictly necessary or expected. Have you ever got a gift like or you exchange gifts? You're like, hey, I got you this gift. And then somebody gives you a gift back. It's way better than yours. And you're like, oh, no. Like, man, I, I, well, I just bear, I, you just kind of stutter all over the place because your gift does not match up to the gift given. So true generosity, it's giving more than is expected. Man, I don't deserve. Why in the world did you get a heart of generosity? It's, it's above the, the threshold of just a courtesy. You know, I know sometimes we give gifts just because it's the right thing, courteous thing to do. And, you know, we do, you know, we do that. We give, try to give, you know, we love a lot of you guys. And we see you got, so we give, we give little gifts. Couldn't afford expense, you know, but what I'm talking about, a heart of generosity would be you're almost flabbergasted with the gift. And you're like, man, how, man, this is too much. We've all received gifts like that. Hopefully, right, at some point, man, I, man, I can't, man, mom, this is over the top. Dad, this is over the top. That word generous, giving more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, this is going to be kind of the focus point of what we discussed today. But in verse 6, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Verse 7, it says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what does God love? A cheerful giver. So I was going to stop there, but I want to cover a few more of these passages. When we go down to verse 10, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, this is talking about God, when we give, it says that he will supply and increase your storehouse of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11. It says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that this word would penetrate our hearts. God, that you would show us what it is to be generous in every way, in every time, at every moment. Father, as we uh, look at this word, let's just uh, apply it to ourselves. And Father, just allow your word to transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how many of you love to spend money? None of y'all? We got, man, we got three honest people in the room. I'm saying if it didn't matter, like if, if you didn't go in debt over it, you, just, you would love to spend money if it was possible. Let me change that question. If you didn't have to pay it back, you maybe would love to spend money. So how many of you hate spending money and you try to hold every cent you make and you save and save and save and there's an abundance in your account, but you just don't spend it? Any of those? You just don't spend the money. You just, well, well, well rainy day or, you know, I, just, I, I say, you know, so, so we're looking at two extremes, right? One extreme that spends like, man, I love to spend it. If I have it, let me blow through it. The other one's, man, I don't know when I'm going to get any more of it. I'm going to hold on to it forever. Right? So you see, you see these two things. So you have to understand that when we work hard for our money, we are more careful and cautious with how we spend it. You understand that? 
The more you work, the harder you work for your money. And there's, there's how many of you have ever worked a really, really hard job and didn't make much? And then maybe your next job, you don't work that hard and you get paid a lot more. To me, that makes no sense to me. It's like, man, nobody, you know, that job is so hard and you're, you're making less and then you work hard, you make more money. Got a twisted system here, right? But we've done both, right? Which I think it's important to do the hard job where you're not getting paid much so that you learn how to work. Right? But the value of money determines sometimes how we spend it. If we don't have high value of money or we don't care about money, maybe we'll just blow through it. If we're very intentional about it and want to make sure we have a lot of it, maybe we'll hold on to it more. So, man, let me, let me tell you what happened at Disney. Everywhere we went, every shop that we went through, every ride we came out of, guess what you have to walk through? Gift shop, man. And I just want to put the blinders on my kids and say, let's get out of here. Hey, I need one of those, Dad. All the things you never knew you needed in your life. Man, you know, Mickey and Minnie ears of, of all kinds. Here, my daughter got one that are candies, like little giant suckers. And, that, you know, then you go through the Star Wars one. You got all these Star Wars. Man, I mean, it is just a marketing society. Every time we'd go, to, Dad, I really need this. Man, I really want one of these. And, you know, they kind of get that little sad puppy dog look. And they look at me, and I'm just like... So we had some people bless us on this trip and give them money. They knew they had money. You know how fast Samuel can spend the money he's given? Day one, I was like, son, you've got to pace it. We're not even done yet. But dad, this right here. I was like, you don't know. And, and, the, and, the, and the funny thing about it, because they don't understand the value of money. So let me, let me tell you how their question goes. Well, dad, this right here, it's only $100. I remember when the $20 was the $100, right? You're just like, man, if I ask for 20, I got to be careful. Mom might get me asking for 20. Dad, it's only $100. Come on, kid. You know, do you know how much it costs? I'm going to make you work at minimum wage to earn that $100. You know how many hours it'll take you? More than 10. But it's my money. I have different value than he does. You guys realize that? There's different, you know, but he feels entitled being my son and he really feels entitled because somebody gave him money to spend. And he probably spending that money a lot more liberal than you did. The ones that gave him money and we, we so appreciate it. But if you work hard for that money, how you spend that money and how you invest that money, it matters differently. Okay. You know, so we value our, when we value it, we're more cautious how we spend it. You know, and sometimes the things that we spend money on reflect the things that are most important to us or what we value. OK, let me share this proverb with you, because I really think this goes against what culture teaches. But it's a biblical principle. Proverbs 11, 25 through 24 through 25. This is in the New King James Version. It says there is one who scatters yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Verse 5, it says, the, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. So let's look at these principles. If I have, if, you know, if I have seed in my hand and I begin to, you know, to scatter it, the more I scatter, the more I get. It's a pretty straightforward principle, right? You know? But the one that holds back, listen what it says. It just doesn't say that he holds back. But how does he hold back? He withholds more than is what? More than is right. So there is an expectation with what we have and how we should give it. 
It's not just a principle, because he gave, but he, he held back less. He didn't give as much as that was required. That was the big thing, you know, so he, so he, sowed, he sowed sparingly. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't sow generously, you know, and you almost look like, you know, this person that who scatters, you know, it almost looks reckless to sow generously. I mean, it is just throwing, hey, you know, you know, I was trying to explain to my kids the difference of the parades of how they used to throw candy and they don't throw candy anymore. I don't, know if, I don't know if a car almost hit somebody. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's just a culture protection thing. All I know, we never had casualties when they threw candy. For whatever reason, you know, they'll bring it to you and set it in your hand, and that takes the whole fun out of it. We were watching an old video the other day. Oh, man, you know, under cars, we don't care. If there's a candy, we were going to go for it, but we survived. Different culture. But, but I'm just talking about generously throwing that candy, not like, hey, here's one second. I want to throw all of it. I want it to be like we just hit a piñata and there's candy everywhere. That's how you get my vote for the best float. I don't remember any of them, Mom, but those guys that threw the candy, they were the best. They, so they sowed generously. So we have to understand, you know, the world today, you know, according to this proverb, it works completely opposite. The more that you hold on to, the more you'll gain. The more stingy, the more wealth you can gain. These are all corrupt, corrupt principles. Okay. So over these next few weeks, we're going to look at the importance of being generous, you know, and, you know, a financial blessing that covers those who give, okay? You know, according to God's standards. So um, you guys don't check out on me. I know I talk about a lot of stuff, and I, ha I have not talked about giving this whole year. I promise I was very intentional about it because I wanted you to know my heart. I wasn't after a paycheck. But finances are just as important as anything else in your life because I want you to be financially well off. I want you to be blessed. I don't want you to have to worry about your next meal. But there's principles in God's words that have to be adhered to in order for you to live the blessed life that God, de that God desires for you. It's not to line my pockets with prosperity. So understand my motive is that you can live the best life possible. Does it expand the kingdom? Does it, does it help the church do more? Does it facilitate growth within the church? Absolutely. But does it require something of you? Absolutely. Okay, so just kind of hear my motive. Don't check out on me and just, you guys listen, open your ears, okay? So, um, so the important, we have to understand is that we have to, we have to know what the Bible, uh, what, what God's standards are. How many of you guys know it's important to know God's standards? We have to know what the Bible says. We have to know what the Bible expects. And, and, and before you guys check out and say, well, a lot of that giving stuff, it was in the Old Testament. I've heard, I've read all the debates before I got up here and preached to you guys. Well, it's an Old Testament law. How many of you guys know that everything in the New Testament increased in the, you know, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, the expectation increased? In the Old Testament, it says, do not kill. But in the New Testament, it says, if you even hate your brother, it's the equivalent of killing them. Well, that's way worse. So if every principle under grace increased, why would our giving not increase under grace? And you say, well, I'm a grace guy. Well, that's good. Then you probably give over and above the biblical requirement. So good luck with that if you like that take on it. You say, I want to go back to the law, Noe. We'll take it whichever way we want to go. But my goal this morning and these next few weeks is just to, that we can, we can understand finance struggles are real. Debt is real. The devourer is real, but there is a financial tool that God has given us when we give our tithe and our offering and we bring it to the storehouse that he provides a blessing of increase that you cannot handle. 
What do you mean I can't handle? He gives you so much, it's falling all over the place and everybody benefits from it. Because there's too much. And I'm sorry, I jumped way ahead of my notes. I got excited. So we got to understand God sets forth standards in the Bible. He just doesn't tell us how to live uh, but, and doesn't give us, you know, he doesn't just say, hey, good luck and doesn't give us guidance. He gives us guidance in all things. Okay, so God has established a standard, but we often try to justify the standard to something we're comfortable with or what we would rather think that God, God's word would demand of us. We diminish the standard because of our comfort or we're like, well, I'm just not making that much. Would God still ask me to give that? What if I hit hard times? Is it okay? You know, we, we diminish the standard. If God says give, we give. We give in seasons of prosperity and we give in seasons of lack. When there's a lack, we just give less according to the principle. You know, that's, that's one thing, you know, when we talk about the tithe, you know, a tithe is 10% of all of your increase, okay? So just to kind of establish some fundamentals of what I'm talking about giving. So, so tithe is 10% of all of your increase. There's questions, was well, that your gross? Is that your net? Whatever is in your heart to give, however you want to figure it out. Give cheerfully, give generously, and what you feel in your heart to give. But the Bible establishes the tithe as 10%. Anything above 10% would be categorized as an offering. So you can't say, well, I'm just going to give an offering this morning if you haven't yet given your tithe, because technically you're still just giving your tithe. You've not tapped into the offering category. That's the, that's the simplest, easiest way to put it. If you say, hey, you know, so what does that mean, Noe? 10%, like, how does that work? If you got $10, your tithe is $1. Simple math for all of you who struggles. I ain't done math in a long time. Almost had to pull out my phone calculator to do it. You guys do that nowadays? We get a math problem and I'm like, my brain just starts smoking. And I can't figure it just because I haven't thought in layers of math. And it's like, hold on. I just found out, have you ever turned your calculator sideways? It has all the formulas. And I was like, man, if I had this in school, right? You know, it's like a scientific calculator on our phones nowadays, right? But it's, it, God has kept it super simple. So let's say you're making $10 a month. Well, man, I can't afford to give that much. Well, God only demands $1. You can have the nine. That seems pretty fair, right? Man, you know, so as we make more, it costs more. Well, let's say I make 100. Oh, man, I made 100. Man, look at me now. Well, now it's going to cost you 10. Oh, well, man, $10 now? I was okay with that dollar. But you got 90. And we're going to look at this in a few weeks, but the issue is not necessarily the 10%. It's what are you doing with the 90? If you cannot manage the 90, it's always going to rob you of the blessing to give the 10. But I'm going to share that in two weeks. I'll just kind of whip your, whet your appetite with that because I want you all to be financially successful. I don't want you just to be churchly stressed by giving your tithe. We want to find a way to, to make you pros prosperous in a way where it's easy to give your tithe. You know, my wife and I, we, we, where we struggle is the offering. And where can I give abundantly more than what I'm, you know, I always look for opportunities. And I was actually just praying about it because I knew this message, these messages were coming up. I've had two opportunities in the last three weeks to bless somebody. But I was looking for them and I was thinking about it and I was intentional. I don't know if it was the holidays, what it was, but there were opportunities to do it. I did it around my children so they would see me do it. I didn't make a big deal about it, you know, but you know, uh, was able to, to, to buy, a, buy a lunch for a, for a gentleman at one of the restaurants and encourage that person to sit with us. I thank God my kids didn't act a fool. <laughs> well, Daddy, why is this? Nah, just, 
hush, like, you know, just let's love on this guy. Let's love this guy like Christ would. So there's opportunities always around us to be generous, but sometimes we're no, so, so nearsighted and selfish that we miss the big picture. Okay? But God has standards. He has expectations of, of, of what, what He asks us to give uh, according to His Word. Okay? We got you know, to be reminded you know, that it's, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You guys got to get that and get to that place. Okay? Um, so God established a standard. So when we look at Genesis 4, 2 through 7, Cain and Abel, you guys have heard the story, right? I'm just going to kind of run through it real quick. But it says that Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And then in verse 3, this is where it all messed up. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought the, the fat portions of some of the firstborn, the firstborn of his flock. And it says that the Lord looked, looked on favor or looked with favor on Abel's and his offering, but Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and, he, and his face was downcast. In verse 6, it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you, do what is, what it, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. A lot of us assume that God will take whatever we give Him. He has no expectation. He has no standard. According to right here, He has an expectation and He has a standard. Well, I mean, as parents, what do we do? Oh, thanks. You know, like I know drawings, all these things my children bring to me as an offering, right? And what do we do? We, we run into that idea, man, I'm going to love them all the same, even if one's way better than the other. Right, we're training a, a standardized process here. Well, it don't matter if you give me your best or you give me your worst because there's times my kids take time and they really are attention to detail. They took a lot of time bringing an offering that is best. Now, the ones that I throw away when they don't look is the ones that are like, hey, dad, look, I spent five hours. And not really, and it's junk. There was no heart. There was no motive. It was a lousy offering. Okay, don't, don't, don't lose me on what I'm saying here. There was a difference between heart and motive between Cain and Abel. It said over the course of time, he wasn't in a hurry. He didn't bring him the first fruits. He didn't bring him his best. It, says it, was, just, it was just a real lax, not really a big deal. At what point did the revelation hit that it mattered to God? Because God would not have enforced an expectation without them knowing the expectation you have to understand that Cain and Abel knew what the expectation was. They would have had to have. How do you know you're supposed to bring an offering? How do you know? I mean, it wasn't spoken in the word. We don't say that, hey, he said, this is what you should bring. You should bring your best. But listening to that, if, I'm gonna, if, that, if that child's going to be reprimanded for not bringing the right gift or the right type of offering, you have to know the expectation. Or I wouldn't be being a good father. Think about that. He says, if you do what is right... So he had to have known what the expectation was. But it says that he was angry, he was downcast, and man, it leads to this sin, it leads to killing his brother, it leads to all of these ugly things. It was a heart motive. But we see that Abel brought what was best. He brought the first fruits. Before he took anything else, he, he brought what was first. So we see that God accepted one offering, but he rejected the other. Okay? In the course of time, versus bringing the firstborn of his flock. 
we see that conflict that God does care what you bring them. So there should always be a desire to give God our first, our first fruits and our best. Man, I want to give God my best. You know, I don't want to be like, well, you know, and I mean, and sadly, we do this sometimes. Think about your time. You know, if you don't get up and hit the ground and you don't pray and you don't seek God first and like towards the end of the day, right before you go to sleep, Lord, <laughs> I've done it. I've been there. How you doing today? Like, I mean, I missed them all day, right? Because I was so busy in whatever I was doing. I got out of routine or I just, I gave them God my last, my last breath before I went to sleep, right? What do you think God wants? Man, as soon as I, before my feet hit the ground, because there, how this, how this uh, blessed principle works, when we give God our first, the rest is blessed. So we suffered all day, non-blessed, non-blessed, and then we go to sleep, and I guess God says, hey, you can try again tomorrow. We got to allow God to, to, to put his hand of blessing on everything we have. But we got to give God what's best, and we got to give God the first fruits. You know, God doesn't want our leftovers. He wants our best. You guys, did you, do y'all like Thanksgiving the day after? Like eating it? Is it better the next day or is it better the day of? Depends what it is, I guess, right? Some stuff just kind of nukes better in the microwave after the fact. But like fried turkey, if you don't eat the fried turkey soon, it turns to leather. And ain't no kind of gravy can fix it. It's really not good if you wait that long. It's like it turned into turkey jerky. You know, if you want to gnaw on it and chew on it. But there is some stuff that is just better when it's, when it's done right then, right? You know, he doesn't want our leftovers. He wants our best. He wants the best cut. He wants the best part. You know, so do we really put God first? You know, so what we invest in or what we spend our money on can often determine our priority, what our priorities are to us. You know, so, you know, the question I have for you, you know, if God is really first in your life, what does your checkbook reflect? Where does your spending reflect? Like, man, we don't want to talk about that. Does it reflect a generous lifestyle or is it really selfish? You know, and, and, I, and if I look at mine, it's more selfish than it is generous. I'm just being honest with you. But I am striving to find opportunities to be generous, more generous than I am. I do give my tithes to the full extent. What I'm talking about is offering, guys. The above and beyond. What do I spend? In my eyes, guys, the tithe is God's. I give that and then the rest is, you know, kind of more at my discretion. But even with the rest, I want to be I want to be directed by God where to give it. I want to be intentional of how to sow it, how to scatter it. You know, there's good places to scatter seed and there's bad places to scatter seed. You throw it on the cement, it's not going to grow. You throw it in good fertile soil, it has the potential to reap a crazy harvest. So we got we got to be we got to be smart in how we spend our spend our money. But where do you invest your money? Man, I tell you what, if I when I when I print out our 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 bank statement, I spend a lot of money on food, gas, luxuries, hobbies. You know what are all these things? What does it look like? Is it all filled with me, myself, and I? Or do we see where, hey, you know, we're blessing this missionary. Hey, we were able to help this person in need. Hey, we were able to do this. You know, what does it reflect? I'm not trying to beat you up. I just want you to be personally critical of yourself. Where, where are we investing all of these resources, especially if God is going to give us abundantly more than we can handle? There's different seasons of our life. There's seasons of lack and there's seasons of prosperity. 
But if we can't get our priorities in line when we don't have much, why would God give us more? Give us abundantly more than we can handle if we're not even managing a little bit right. So how we handle our money often uh, reveals volumes about our priorities, our loyalties, and our affections. So the Bible talks about bringing our whole tithe into the storehouse. So Malachi 3.10, we're going to look at a little bit more of this passage next week, but we're just going to look at this small passage, 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Okay, so I'm going to break this down as we go through it, because otherwise I'll just be redundant with it. So it says the whole tithe. So if we've established the tithe is 10%, is 2% good enough? 6% okay? It's getting better. It says what? The whole tithe. So if I have $10, I got to bring a dollar. According to this, absolutely yes. Where do I take it? Because I've heard that question too. Well, can I give to this person? Can I give to this ministry? Can I give to this? It says what? into the storehouse, and then it gives clarification that there may be food in where? My house. Where is God's house? The church. Where you serve, where you attend, okay? That's, that's where the expectation of what... Your offering, do whatever you want with it. Your tithe, bring it to the storehouse. That's kind of how I govern it, you know, like do I, you know, can I support other missionaries outside of my tithe? Absolutely, but my tithe goes to the church. It goes to the house where I am fed. It goes to the storehouse. It goes to my local church. You know, a lot, a lot of people say, well, where, do, where should I give, you know? Well, what local church do you, do you attend? Give to that church. Give to the church that's ministering to you, that's encouraging you, that you are a part of fellowship, a part of, okay? You know, so then it goes on to say, this next part, man, is the best part. Then it goes on to say, test me in this, says who? The Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. It's a pretty awesome promise. If you've never heard that passage, you thought I was just playing with you a little bit earlier, saying God will give you more than you can handle, abundantly more, if we play according to His principles and according to His rules. You know, so to live a blessed life, there is a condition that has to be met, and we must give God what He expects of us. You bring the tithe and God pours out the blessing. That's the best way to summarize that, that one passage. You bring the tithe, God will provide a blessing on everything else. How much blessing? He'll pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room for it. It's a lot of blessing. You know, some of us are not living anywhere near that standard. We feel like we're struggling. We feel like there's never enough. And we got to keep working. We got to keep working because there is not an abundant blessing in your life. So money is a big deal to God. He wants us be, to be great manage, money managers. Did you guys know 16 of the 38 parables are focused on money? So pastor, you should be preaching more about money. Well, maybe. It's a big deal, right? We have a lot of it. We feel okay. If we have lack thereof it, man, life gets hard all of a sudden. I've been on both sides. Working the job with a new baby and not knowing how I was going to make it. And I look back on what I made when we had Samuel, and I don't know how in the world we made it. Because I know what I've been making in the last five, six, seven years, and I look back what I was making then. I scratch my head and say, man, this math ain't adding up, according to the math. But there was a blessing principle that has always been on Becky and I's life because we have always been tithers in the house. This was far before I was just a pastor. I just didn't start tithing once I became a pastor to teach you a principle. 
This has been a lifestyle that I've done my whole life since my, my parents began to raise me, that we give. I don't know if this is right or if this is wrong or how you do it. I don't know if you guys ever show your kids some of your financial things, but every now and then I will write a check in front of Samuel and his eyes get about that big when he sees the amount we write to the church. It's like, Daddy, that's a lot of money. And I say, yeah, but God gave us a lot, and this is the least we can do to give back. So all of a sudden, there's light bulbs turning on. I'm programming his thought process to why we give. Why? Because God gave the greatest gift. That's the least I can do. And then we try to preach that. We say, hey, but look, buddy, this is where God, you know, we're giving here, but look what God is multiplying. I'll tell you one thing, you know, because I believe in this, in God. Uh, man, I really hate, there's so much in me. I don't want to get above my, in front of my notes and in the next series, but there's a, there's a passage when we go on a little bit further in there that talks about removing the devourer from the equation. Some of you guys, you know, and, and some of you say, well, you know, I can't be cursed as a Christian. Right? You know, because that, that's what it says. It says, if you do not give, you will be cursed. How many of you guys know that, you know, by his stripes we were healed? It's a principle, right? But how many of you have experienced sickness in your body? Probably every single one of us, right? It doesn't mean that we are exempt from the byproduct in this life, but to what degree? Because you can have excessive sickness or you can just have a cold and be like, oh, my allergies. Thank God you just got allergy issues. But when I talk about being cursed, let's just look at the realms of finances, not health, not are you cursed as a child of God? Are you, are you disowned? I'm talking about your financial provision, that God causes your finances and your, and your, for all of those things to increase abundantly. So when I talk about the devourer, I'm just going to give you this quick nugget. I'm going to move on with my notes. When we bought all our appliances at the house this year, how many of you guys have ever seen the, uh, the protection plans or the insurance? You might as well have bought another appliance. And I told, I told my kiddos, I said, kiddos, I said, your daddy's too smart to pay that much. I, I could almost buy another fridge for the price of the insurance. So when we got them all in there, I said, y'all come here. And I told my kids, I said, put your hands on all these appliances. And Samuel, he looks at me, he's like, is the stove hot, dad? I said, no, son. <laughs> he's like, I'm trained him. He's like, you said don't touch the stove or put my hand on. No, son. I said, we're going to pray over these appliances that the devourer will not destroy these appliances without this insurance and give them long life where they will not die. So I don't want to buy a fridge all the time. But I'm believing God that as we are stewards and we tie that God's principle of provision and removing the devourer, even from our practical things, are effective. So we placed our hands and, you know, they're kind of looking at me when I said, this is so weird. You know, looking at me, I said, we're just going to pray. Lord, I pray that you would just cause the devourer to be removed and for these appliances to function as they're designed to function. They're still ticking with no insurance. Do I lose sleep over it? Absolutely not, because there's an abundance in the house. But the devourer is not robbing me while I sleep. Kingdom principles. Okay, some of you may have never heard this. Some of you may have and need to be reminded of these blessings. Reminded of these systems that God, you know, these, these ways of living that God can provide in our life. Okay? So we got to be reminded that how we handle our money is actually a test from God. You guys realize that? How we spend our money, what we do with our money. It's, it's, it's actually a test. Okay? You know, so here's a statement that we often hear, you know, from those who tithe versus those who don't. So tithers say, man, I am blessed. God has blessed me. You know, they continually give a testimony of the goodness of God in their life. 
But on the other hand, a non-tither, this is the testimony you almost hear pretty regular. I can't afford to tithe. I know in my life I can't afford not to tithe. To each their own, I want you guys to, to, to search your heart and ask God, what should I do? Some of you here, maybe you've never tithed. Maybe you've never heard about the tithe or you've been thinking about it and you've been praying about it and you've been asking, Lord, what about this tithe? And now your pastor's preaching about it. Now you're going to be faced with the reality. What are you going to do about it? Because I started this message saying, what do you do with the things that we share and we encourage you to apply to your life? You can leave this whole principle right here at the altar and it'll never benefit you. Or you can apply it and your life will be forever changed. How many of you guys know, though, to joyfully, to be, to being joyfully generous, sometimes there has to be an abundance. I don't have a lot of money. It ain't fun giving a lot of money. But if the storehouse is full, man, I can just give whatever I have need of because there is an abundance. And I think the more that we scatter, the more we're generous, the more the storehouse is full. One thing I would encourage you is that your heart motives would be right, though. Don't do this out of greed. Oh, this is better than the stock market. I can give 10% and the rest of the night you'll be blessed. I'm in because the heart is to give more or it is to get more than to give more. It's all about the heart motive. It's all out of a spirit of giving, not a spirit of getting, which is sometimes what we get focused into during the Christmas holidays, right? We look at Mark 12, 41 through 44, and we look at the widow's offering. I don't know how many of you guys have heard this or not, but it says that Jesus sat down, starting in verse 41, uh, opposite of the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting in their, their money into the temple treasury. So the temple treasury was like the church, you know? So, I mean, I guess in this parable, Jesus just sat here and he watched Lonnie come, you know, watched everybody come and give. You know, he was sitting, I mean, it was obvious. He, I mean, he was watching the offering buckets. That's the only way I know to put that parable. And he watched many wealthy give out of their wealth. Well, then he saw a widow come forward. Didn't have much. And it says that she put in two copper coins. She just dropped two in, and, but Jesus took note of it. I'm sure the majority of the people, because they were given out of their you know, all their wealth and their, I guess it was a heart motive, right? Because otherwise Jesus probably wouldn't have brought it up. They were arrogantly giving out of their wealth. And what does he say? He says, this woman, she put in two small copper coins worth only the fraction of a penny. How many of you guys just wouldn't have gave it? Because you would have felt like it was insignificant. What can the church do with a penny? But it goes on further and it says, this lady gave more than all of you. It says, this poor widow put in more into the treasury than all of the others. In verse 44, it says, they gave out of their wealth, but she out of poverty put in everything she had to live on. I mean, that's what you call offering a hope and a prayer. When you got the last little bit and say, Lord, you got to help me. I mean, I think if I got down to two pennies, I might do that also. What's the point? I mean, like, Lord, if you don't help now, what's the point? But you see, you see this, this difference of, of one giving out of, out of prosperity and one, and one giving out of poverty. 
You know, in my eyes, that widow, you know, would have been justified to withhold her offering. Just to be in a person, I would have said, no, man, keep it. You need it. Don't, don't give anything. You need that. I would have justified it in my eyes and said, no, no, no. When it gets better, you can give. But she was determined to give even in poverty because she knew that was her only hope. Do we give with that kind of urgency? Man, unless I give, man, it's hopeless anyway. If I don't allow God's prosperity and God's blessing to be on my life, I might as well just give up anyway. Right? You know, it's like trying, trying, to, trying to fill a hole that we've created, debt or whatever it is, trying to, trying to make it, right, whatever, you know, it, that, how that applies to you. You know, we're trying to fill the hole, and right behind us, the devil's throwing the dirt back out, and we just stay in this hole. What this blessing concept does, it removes the enemy from, from pulling the dirt back out where you can get back on steady ground and you can make it. You're not in the hole of debt up to your throat. You're not a slave to the lender. You're not paying all of these people so much money. You're like, well, man, I, I got X number of dollars going out a month. I don't know how I can make it. And I would probably say, I don't know how you're making it either. You've bitten off more than you can chew. Now, hear me when I say there's a balance to that. There, are th- there, there is a threshold that you got to make to survive, and I know that. But there are principles and, and ways that we can manage our money and things that we can do to slowly get out of the hole, but it takes diligence and it takes discipline and you have to be very, very intentional. But what we want to look at today is that we apply this principle and we do our part and then we allow God to deal with the rest so that we might live prosperous lives. Guys, I know it's hard, you know, in difficult seasons of our life where we don't have much. But I think during those seasons, we just, just God asks us to give less. To me, it's never been a, do I give when I have only have a lot? If that's your motive, guys, if you say, well, I'm only, I'll start giving when I start making more money. Guess what? You're never going to give because you're never going to have enough money in your eyes. How much is the next dollar? When's the next raise? When can I start? Man, it, just start. The, what does that scripture say? It says, test me. What is God saying? I triple dog dare you to do it. Are you daring me to give? Oh, I'm daring you to give. I bet you won't. I don't know. I guess I will. You know, like he's challenging you. There's nowhere else in scripture that he says that. He, God doesn't throw that around and say, test me in this. But he says, test me and bring in the whole tithe to my storehouse. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and give you so much that you can't contain it. Test me in this. Sincerely, God. Since something I'm saying, guys. This is, this is a promise from God. You know, I remember, you know, back in the day, and we've been talking about this because we've tried to find easy ways for you guys to give, right? I remember back in the day, you could only give cash and you could only give a check. And most of the time, I never had cash, and it just so happened, I always forgot my checkbook. I can't give even I wanted to. Been there. I mean, like, truthfully, I wanted to give, and I was like, I can't give anything. Like, I felt really, like, bad or take up a special offering, and I have no way to give. We have made it so easy. (laughs) Text to Tithe, online giving app. You can go to our website. You can give. You can give the day you get paid. You don't even, it doesn't even have to be on a Sunday. Why are you telling me this, Noe? Because it removes the, the excuse not to give. 
It's, it's, it's easy. You don't have to wait till Sunday. So if all of these giving options are available, the reason you don't give is because you do not want to give. I don't know how to sugarcoat that. I really can't. You don't give because you don't want to give. And that's where we got to allow God to change our hearts. Say, God, cause me to be, to be generous. Help me to be generous. And see that everything that you've given me really comes from you. Next week, we're really going to look at the tithe more intentionally and what it looks like and what the, what the expectation is and look at some of the Old Testament, look at some of the New Testament, you know, but not so much necessarily the tithe. The tithe is super, super important. But today I want us to focus on, are you just being generous? If there was somebody in need and we took up a love offering, would you guys give? I can tell you from what I've seen, what comes in when we do that, our church gives. And I think you look for opportunities to give more often than not. We just don't present them to you all the time. There's, and I thank God that we don't have needs all the time. You know, somebody asked me the other day, said, hey, you know, I'd really like to bless a family, you know. And I said, what are you, what are you talking about? Like millions? I need help. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, what are you asking? <laughs> But it, it was more geared towards Thanksgiving, a meal or something like that. And I was like, man, and, you know, and I, lo- I thought about it. I thought about it. I thought about it. And I said, you know what? I don't know anybody within our church that is at that place. And I was thankful for that. I was like, man, you know, so-and-so's, had, you know, I really felt like, you know, and I really thought about it. I thought hard. I said, nobody's told me or I don't know about it. But from what I understand, the people in this house are good. They're taken care of. They have what they have need of. Now, not saying you ain't struggling or you ain't needing to work extra overtime or it's not, you're not at a rough seat, but you are not lacking a hot meal. You're not lacking a place to live. Shelter, your base, your, everybody came dressed today. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> like, well, you know, I mean, it's just all these, you know, our basic needs are met, guys. But what I'm talking about is generosity can cause something to happen in our lives where there is an abundance where we stockpile and we say, man, you know, let's have a, let's, you know, you see these churches doing these Thanksgiving giveaways. And I mean, man, like when you have an abundance, it changes everything. I know one thing in Becky and I's heart going into this next year, we want to be more outside of the four walls focused. But we can't do that unless all of the needs are met and that people collectively are all in together. So does the, do the tithes, do these off, you know, does the tithe establish the storehouse to where it can function? Absolutely. Otherwise, all the lights would be off. The air wouldn't be blowing. You know, I mean, you think we take all these things for granted. We have to understand, you know, the tithe was established in the Old Testament to take care of the Levites. The Levites were the ones that maintained the tabernacle. They were the preachers, the teachers, the, the elders of the time where they handled the duties of the church. So I don't know what way you guys want to look at it. I want you to be aware that your tithes do pay our, my salary. It allows me and my wife to do this full time. It keeps the lights on. New carpet, new stage. We have new speakers in the back. I hadn't told, I don't know if everybody knows that. They're just not installed yet. Guys, I really feel that all of that in my mind has just come from the tithe, guys. That hasn't come from an abundance of offerings yet. Because I feel that that is what God is going to begin to use to begin to do things. Well, how the heck does a church that small do things of that magnitude? Because the house is blessed. 
and there's an abundance, and I can't outgive God. And every time I give, he provides more increase. Anything I have need of, he's always giving it back. And I can never outgive God. We've got to live like it, guys. It's one thing to be like, amen, but do you support it? Do you do it? I know I do, and I've seen my life always unabundantly blessed. I'll tell you one thing I think I've seen, guys. My parent, I am a probably a third, fourth generation Christian. I am reaping benefits of parents and grandparents before me that have given. And I pray that continues with my children. Dad doesn't want to jack it up for my kids. <laughs> and, and, you know, just that residual blessing in my life. That's a whole nother topic, generational stuff. But it's, it, but it's something that's alive and active, guys. We can provide such an increase and provide such, you know, a prosperous life that our kids are greatly impacted by it. You know, so I'm going to challenge you this morning with asking yourself a question. You know, are you truly a generous person or not? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Please don't. Or be like, I'm, or who's not? And you're like, Whew. like, man, just throwing it out there. <laughs> like the Grinch. It's so Christmas, man. I, hey, you know, like just think, but, but really test your heart. Say, man, am I really a generous person? Do I like giving? I know one thing that tests me. Am I okay when my wife gives away my money? I'll tell you, that's a test. Because sometimes she don't ask me. She's like, hey, I think we need to do this. I said, we, hold on. You, we got to get on the same page. So here's one big thing about giving, guys. If you're married, you and your wife got to be on the same page. You know, and I have had some, some individuals talk to me, said, well, man, I want to tithe, but my husband doesn't. Man, pray together, make a collective decision, then do something. Either give or don't. But be, be on the same page, man. You know, God wants couples walking together. Because if I'm against it and my wife keeps doing it, man, we're going to have an upside-down house. Because I'm going to keep getting mad and say, why you keep spending all my money? I don't know why it's mine, right? When I got married, hey, it's all in one pot, baby. That third week, we'll probably talk about separate checking accounts, too. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, this is mine. This is yours, baby. Yeah, it needs to be all in one place. What God has put together, let no man separate. Even your checking accounts. So married couples, guys, you should agree on your financial goals. Your goals, trust me on this. So focusing one more time before we close, you know, in that passage in Malachi, paraphrasing it, he says, I dare you, I triple dog dare you to bring the whole tithe and see what I do in your life. It's not for my benefit, guys. It's for your benefit. But let me tell you what, when one benefits, the whole benefits. It's how it works, man. And we just live this blessed life together. That, that's the whole motive for this message, for focusing on this. I do not want you guys being robbed of a blessing in this lifetime. We need to be prosperous. We need to receive blessing. We need to live the best life possible in this lifetime. When we die and we go to heaven, it won't matter anymore, guys, I promise. We won't worry about overtime. We won't worry about how much money's in the bank. All of that will fade away. But we want to achieve the most we can in this lifetime. Amen? I'm going to close with this Psalms 37, 21 through 26. You guys stand with me as we read this and we'll close. You guys didn't get too mad at me talking about money, right? Better not here on Facebook, you say, at Harvest Time Church, they're a money church. 
It's the first one I preached all year. All right. It's really intentional with that, but I want you to guys know my heart, know my motive. That you guys would be abundantly blessed more than God, you know, all, with all that God has for you in your life. So th- Psalms 37, we'll start in 21. It says, The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Verse 22, it says, Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. If the, the, the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are, they are, always, they are, they are always generous and lend freely, and their children will be blessed. Man, that's what I want for my life, guys. When I look at that whole thing that, man... But there's more to it. There's a requirement, guys. We can't just live the blessing and the benefits without any requirement. God always has an expectation and a standard, and then we apply it, and then, then what, how we, you know, if we apply it biblically, we reap the benefits of, of what the Bible says. But we say, ah, I don't know about this. I'm not going to do it. Man, the Lord says, test me. You know, uh, Robert Morris, you guys have heard of him? Gateway Church. God would have to really lead me to do this, but I believe in the principle, so I mean, I understand why he does it, but he says, I dare you to tithe and see if your finances don't turn around. But he doesn't stop there. He says, if your finances don't turn around, when you start tithing, we will refund you everything that you tithed because he is that solid on the principle. You're serious? Man, that's like a, you know, the late night, TV show to convince you to do that is like a no brain like absolutely it will cost me nothing and I'll get everything back if it doesn't work but he is that convinced and I am that convinced that the principle of tithing works and it's in your best interest thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast we hope you've been encouraged and empowered if you'd like more information about our family please write us at 42 FM 2540 South Bay City Texas 77414 or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com